You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Nostalgia is one of the strongest forces in the human psyche and is responsible for the continued existence of some of our favorite fandoms. From the minds behind the Dolphin Dreams podcast and Isolation Cast Voices from Quarantine, Saturday Morning Confidential takes you on a deep dive into the properties that helped influence the artists and creators of today. So whether you are a Goonie, a Gem Girl, a Digi Destined, or you just want to return to Oz... New episodes release on Fridays bi-weekly starting January 1st of 2021. And join us on the Wednesdays after the main show for the Serial Killer Radio Hour, where we sit down with the people responsible for the toys, shows, and fandoms that you love. Now you can find Saturday Morning Confidential at certainpov.com backslash smcpod or on your favorite podcast platforms. So don't forget to tune in for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. Welcome back to another episode of VHS Gems, the podcast in which, I don't know, occasionally we torture ourselves <laughs> watching, <laughs> watching movies that originally came out on VHS in that childhood dreamland and deem whether or not they're worth a watch. Usually not. <laughs> I'm coming to discover. The fact um, that I was questioning whether or not I was tripping on my pain medication while watching this movie <laughs> should tell you everything you need to know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm not on pain medication and it was a bit hard <laughs> to watch. So yeah, This is a lot. <laughs> this is Jessica from Geek Elite Media and on the podcast with me is John. That's me. And we are here to talk about Kroll, K-R-U-L-L, which I had only known as that random fantasy from the 80s with the weird boomerang thing. <laughs> That's a pretty apt description, I've come to find out. Um, there's not a whole lot more to this movie. I mean, there is, but there isn't. <laughs> Yeah, have you seen this movie before? Oh, you know, I I know I've seen it because I recognize the glaive. That's that little boomerang thingy. Mm-hmm. But this definitely is one of those that just I honestly feel like I repressed. Like there was See, just so much about this movie that I didn't remember. I mean, bits and pieces like stood out. Like for a kid, mm-hmm. they would like giant spiders and yeah. like crazy special effects for no real reason but yeah. no i i did not remember what the plot of this thing was i didn't remember that the musical score plot? was all over the place on this one. Oh my gosh i that was my biggest thing was i was trying to figure out would this movie actually be a good fantasy if it had a good musical score 
like if you took the music out of it like it it wouldn't be god awful but the music <laughs> just didn't match it like it, it was so contrast it was very like it's like the music in a hallmark movie where it just makes zero sense and is like slightly too loud <laughs> and they were just trying to fill in all these like empty spaces i think like they were relying too much on the music to make you feel like whatever's happening in the environment but i'm like yeah we're just looking at a countryside this doesn't have to be so bombastic <laughs> like like tone it down a little no and just even the fight scene songs didn't quite match with the fighting and just i don't know i just no, the music was the worst part this this movie i i have a simple way of putting it this oh. movie has everything in it of things that i like but mm-hmm. in such overabundance that it becomes toxic it becomes poison because this thing has elements from Star Wars, elements from Lord of the Rings, elements mm-hmm. from Flash Gordon. <laughs> like there's even yep. like a little bit of Zardoz in here with how some of the special effects look. It is definitely a high budget film. Yeah, this was like close in budget if not a little bit more than Return of the Jedi, which came out the same year. Oh yeah, 80, yeah, that's right. Huh, 83. Yeah. I came to find wow. out. I was like, wow, goes to show you what having somebody that knows what they're doing in production like really makes a big difference here. Because yeah, the Jack Horner who did the music has done great soundtracks. But this score sounded like he com- he like fused together Tron with Star Trek. Almost literally. Like I could I could hear a little um mm-hmm. uh motifs i think they call them that sound like they were straight out of both movies and he as a matter of fact also did the score for star trek 2 the the wrath of khan so i was like okay that makes sense which i think came out like the year before this um this movie was just an oversaturation of what theoretically should be cool elements but there's just Mm -hmm. so many of them in the wrong proportions this you know what this is this is the swedish chef making like lasagna it's just like just throwing ingredients and just going hard for door for door you know like not even (laughs) making sense it's just this movie was insanity yeah have you seen the new muppet show i think it's called muppets now on disney plus where they have it's like a bunch of different kind of sort of muppets doing internet videos i guess or youtube videos and there's like where the Swedish chef challenges an actual real-life chef making a traditional dish from their culture. Wow. And it's just, it's great. It's hilarious. And also kind of mean, too, because the Swedish <laughs> chef is a very sore loser and does not know how to cook a lot of different cultural things. But no. you do actually learn more about the cultural dish, and that's where I kind of liked oh. it. That's nice. See, I I do like the Muppets. Don't get me wrong. I just haven't uh-huh. really focused on any of the new Muppets that's been going on recently, except what? for the episode with Aubrey Plaza. Oh, you watched that? What? Well, didn't it have a Swedish chef thing? In I, it? I think oh, maybe they, that one didn't. They might have. I don't remember. Honestly, I only remember the <laughs> Aubrey Plaza segment. <laughs> you and Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> I like psychos. 
She could be a really nice person. No, everybody agrees that she's psycho. Is she a psycho or is she just herself? Herself is basically psychotic, I think. Okay. That comes through in her characters, but from what I've seen and what I've, like, heard other people talking about her, she's definitely up there in, like, weirdness factor. Okay, yeah. But you know what? She's real. doesn't really make you psychotic is all I'm saying. Like, psychotic is... Like a see, I like to like consider myself a, a psychotic, um, like meter. I was like, if you like me, you might be psycho. So that's already birth like number one. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but back to the movie. Back um, to the movie. So, Kroll, what is this about? There's prophecies. There's. It's about a planet, which took me a while uh (laughs) to figure that out um it is another planet and it's called kroll and they get invaded from a species from another planet called i don't know (laughs) (laughs) but they look like monsters Uh, they look they look very much like bugs i guess in shells it looks, I don't know, it was like a smaller bug and a bigger bug is what it looked like. Like when they were killed and stuff, like a smaller bug would come out. And it was kind yeah, of there were some like roach looking things as well. Yeah. And then, I don't know, the big bad guy, I can't remember his name, but just. Mm, I, don't, I don't know, a teleporting I, rock castle thing. I, I don't too? remember anyone's name in this movie. Um, there was like Colwyn and Lissa. That's what I remember. Colwyn and Lissa. Prince Colwyn and Princess Lissa. And okay. Yeah, because it starts on their wedding day because they're from two different kingdoms on Kroll and they want to combine the kingdoms. And Lissa's father is not for it. But she's like, it'll be fine. And then, of course, she meets Colwyn, and it's love at first sight. And then the aliens attack on their wedding day. <laughs> and then the aliens so, attack. And then the aliens come. Which was kind of cool to see a fantasy with aliens in it, I guess. Like, it's a good science fantasy kind of mix. Yeah, this, this, like I said, this was just all over the place. It couldn't decide if it wanted to do medieval fantasy, sci-fi, it's, high fantasy, sci-fi. It just did all of it. It's called, according to Wikipedia, it is a science fantasy swashbuckler film. Sure. I can't remember what a <laughs> swashbuckler actually is. Because like I thought that was more like pirate or bandit type well, things, it's, right? It's like Which those, I guess it does have. It's like those Errol Flynn movies, like Robin Hood could be swashbuckler. Yeah, I guess. Isn't it like when criminals save the day is more what I'm thinking, swashbuckler kind of thing? I don't know. That could be I could too. probably go on the page and figure out what a... I mean, pirates and thieves. It is a thieves. subgenre of action often characterized by swashbuckler sword fighting and adventurous heroic characters known as swashbucklers so sword fighting basically okay so the dread pirate robbers would be a swashbuckler yeah now speaking of celebrities this movie Mm -hmm. for the time had some unknown actors that later went on to do bigger things Mm -hmm. Liam Neeson is in this movie he is I saw his name 
it was the only name I recognized. I don't know if he recognized anybody else's, but yes, uh, I recognized Robbie Coltrane, who also plays Hagrid in Harry Potter. Oh man! Okay, I feel bad for not yeah. recognizing that one. And then there was—I didn't recognize his name, but as soon as I saw his face, I'm like, "Oh, it's that dude!" So, one of my favorite characters from any movie ever is the teacher from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. The the teacher from Charlie and yeah, the, the really snooty kind of British teacher who's like, "Like, how many chocolates did you eat, Charlie?" And he's like, two. And he goes, two. I can't do just two because they're trying to like teach him like percentages and stuff. And um, yeah, he's just like a really asshole kind of a teacher. And he was wait wait in wait this wait movie. wait wait go back. This is your favorite character. One of <laughs> okay. He's not impressive in any way, but just his performance is like I like this guy. You know, he's just really odd and like assholeish, uh-huh. and there's just something kind of oddly appealing about that. Okay. I like assholes too. Bitches and assholes. Bitches and assholes. Oh my god. Okay. So, this guy played Ergo in the movie. Ergo, the, the magnificent guy? Um, I think he was the one that kept saying like he was a little person. Like, we little people like have to okay, stick together. Remember. I don't know. He, he has like that Prince Valiant haircut. I don't know. It's kind of... If you see him, is he the one that turns into the tiger? I think so. Yes, the one that can okay, do like yeah, magic stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah, the one that can do magic stuff. He was probably my favorite side character. I just yeah, I don't remember his name. He's a but, good yeah. side character, and that's why I like them in Charlie in the Chocolate Factory as well, because he's inconsequential mostly to the plot, but his inclusion just makes it like that much more interesting because he's like that little bit of flavoring to the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah, by no means is he, like, one of the greatest actors of our time or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. Um, other than that, though, nobody else really stands out. Like, I mean, there was, because of the Liam Neeson inclusion in this one, I forgot mm-hmm. to say this when we restarted VHS Jams, but I was going to try to have, like, a ticking, ca- a continuous counter of Star Wars references in movies, whether they be an actor that's been in Star Wars or they reference uh-huh. Star Wars within the movie. Because almost every uh-huh. movie we've watched has had a Star Wars reference in it. Um, we've watched a lot of later 80s sci-fi so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's almost hard to avoid it but at the same time it's like that wasn't a very common thing either like it's common now because like, yeah. it's just we've grown up with it but at the time having a Star Wars reference in the movie that was kind of contemporary wasn't that often like it, it was very few and mm-hmm. far between but almost everyone that we have watched has had some kind of a reference here or there I mean, Indian in the Carpet had Darth Vader. Um, yeah. The uh, science project had the dudes dressed up like stormtroopers. Uh, even in the Explorers, we didn't touch on it. We completely skipped it. But there's a part where one of the characters, I think it was Ben, he's holding a flashlight and he starts doing lightsaber like whooshing motions. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a few things like that. And then here we have an actual in the Men the Mouth of Bandas. We had an actual Star Wars actor with Craden Christensen, mm-hmm. and here we have Liam Neeson, both from the prequels, as a matter of fact. So that's kind of an interesting coinky thing there. So mm. from this point forward, anytime we run into a Star Wars reference of some sort in the movies, I'm going to be calling him out. 
but can we Star Wars it? Okay, got it. Yes, does this Star Wars. <laughs> does this Star Wars. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I gotta be honest, because somebody um, mentioned on our Week's Watch podcast this week that they were playing Super Smash Bros. <laughs> I have rediscovered my love for Super Smash Bros. And I was playing that... <laughs> while I was watching this movie because this movie did not hold my attention no, I, at all. I, I was playing Scott Pilgrim. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah. I think you, you sent us pictures of that and I was like, is that Scott Pilgrim? It is. I forgot it had a game. It's it's amazing. It's such a fun game. Um, but yeah, same. I uh, As a matter of fact, I think I probably saw you on there saying you're playing Smash. And I was like, oh, cool. But I'm playing Scott Pilgrim. Um, don't blame me one second because I... St- this was a bad sign that the movie begins with this ridiculous fanfare and what I'm assuming is supposed to ape the Star Wars opening crawl, except there's no information whatsoever. It's just literally the sight of a mountain that's floating through space. And I thought it was an asteroid going to destroy a planet. I was very confused. And right. It's like, yeah. Nope, it's a ship. That well, looks like a rock. You would be forgiven because, yes, it, it just looks like a big chunk of rock. And later we uh-huh. find out that it's called, like, the Black Fortress, I think, or the Black Castle. And it yeah. flies. It can move positions and disappear, apparently. And this is one of the most OP villains. Apparently, he can create <laughs> reality just by thinking it. And, like, I think all of his, like, soldiers were basically from his own imagination or something. It this I was... <laughs> very confused by a lot of this i thought it was kind of like a hive mind type thing actually only instead of a queen it was a king in charge of everything maybe i don't know and then so like when this thing arrives (laughs) doesn't it basically wipe out the entire kingdom except for the prince yeah it does. Well, it seems to. I mean, other than the peasants that don't get invited to the wedding, but I. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, everyone at the castle, the the princess gets kidnapped. I guess the bad guy wants to t- take her on as his Which, consort. We're. I'm gonna go on a huge tirade about Princess Alyssa. By the way, <laughs> just, just just a warning on that one. But, but yeah, they all get attacked at the castle and they all die and the aliens are shooting lasers at them, but they're just fighting with swords. Yeah. And Oh, real quick. The horses what? can go so fast that they set fire to the ground. They're fire horses. They explain <laughs> that. <laughs> they were a special breed. I just love, actually, that scene I loved because the horse they chose to be the fire horse is a Clydesdale which is not a fast horse. No, those, it's a powerful those are, horse. Those are like the, the pretty horses that Budweiser uses for their parade. Yes, yes they are. Clydesdales are gorgeous horses, but they, they, they do not run that fast. And I just thought it was an interesting choice of horse to choose to be the fastest horse in on their planet. Fire, mare, or fire or something horse. Yes, because they just look cool. Yeah. It's basically... Um, what flame dash or what's that pokemon name that horse that's on fire rapid dash i can't yeah i can't yeah rapid dash something like that yeah 
stupid. I watched a show. This, I never got into the games, but this, the this show. movie's so stupid. <laughs> this movie's so stupid. I, I, there's a separate podcast that I like to listen to called "How Did This Get Made." I don't know if they've ever done this movie. I want to say they have, because this is mm-hmm. exactly the kind of thing they'd be talking about. They would just be like, "Who approved this budget and this? Just anything well, that happens here." <laughs> Well, from what I understood from the production, it was literally Columbia Pictures just being like, let's do a fantasy. And just it's original, at least. It's not based off of anything. They straight up had a screenwriter go and write it. Yeah. I mean, they wanted to create a crazy high budget fantasy film. And they went there and it was like, what's the term like too many cooks in the kitchen maybe or too many ideas i think there was too much cocaine in the nostril to be honest this was just i can only imagine like they would just do like these huge rails and then just start typing furiously yeah i mean they also had another writer come in to do a second version of the script as well so it was just very and I think they ended up just re-editing the first script instead it looks like because Wikipedia says that um, there was a plot in one of them that would have had Lissa turning into the antagonist at the end interesting yeah very interesting but they wanted to keep the integrity of her freaking innocence so (sighs) Yes. I mean, I'm looking at her IMDb profile picture right now, and she looks like she could be the bad guy. Like, that's really... She she reminded me of another character from another 80s fantasy um, from Legend. Yes. She's not a princess in that, but she made me think of that type. In fact, this whole movie really reminded me of Legend, and yeah. Legend is also not a wonderful film, but at the same time, it's, it's so it, not wonderful that it's good. It's, it's like it's at least it's <laughs> focused. Yeah, I know you're you're talking about uh, the, the the girl that plays Sloane in um, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, um, Mia Sarah, I think is her name. Um, I, and yeah, I, I like it because yeah. she goes from being, you know, like an innocent and pure looking person to at the end being corrupted. And there's like a dark version of her. And that's really cool. I could see them doing that. But she already looks like she's the corrupted version at the beginning when we meet her. She just happens to be wearing this bright kind of like bell looking dress from like Beauty yeah. and the Beast, which doesn't seem to fit any of the aesthetic of the other like characters going on. Like this just... Well, such a jumble in this thing it's a jumble and her whole characterization is like she comes across in the beginning like she could be a strong role like she because she's making that point that you know she's getting married to basically save the kingdom and her dad doesn't want her to get married but she is making the choice it's not an arranged marriage in the sense that it's like a contract. It's an arranged marriage in the sense that she wants to politically gain for her kingdom, and this is the easiest way for her to gain it, and she's fine with gaining it this way. And Doesn't she also pose like a challenge so there's like only the one that can hold this like fire water thing can will be like a worthy companion or something? Like, Yeah, she, this is where I'm like, what the hell and uh, maybe if I paid more attention to this movie but just it seems she has magic of some kind she can produce flame in her hands cool not once does she ever use it for her 
freaking self. Mm-mm. In the end, she gives it away to Colwyn so he can use her own magic to defeat the bad guy. And I was like, why not just have her you freaking know, kill the thing? Her, like, or just, I don't know, light a pathway in the weird... I don't know. It was just... You know, why? her her running, running around the, the bad guy's palace looked a lot like Flash Gordon when that female character, whatever her name was, I don't even remember now, was like mm. trying to escape and there's just like yeah. these corridors and these large halls and And she's doing random flips and Yeah, out she's the just guards. like <laughs> doing like aerobics in there. Um this yeah, that that female role was a better representation of women than wow. Princess Lissa, which is saying something because that was from Flash Recon Yeah. Or the widow of the web who I guess had some history oh with the character God. that went Okay, so here's one of my main problems I had with this movie. This movie uh, if this this movie felt like it was longer than two hours. Like God, it felt so long. From from what I can see here it's it's two hours and one minute exactly, but it felt easily twice that long. I felt like I was watching a miniseries because scenes would just go on and on. And you have this one guy who says, oh, I know a woman that can help us, you know, but she doesn't like helping people. She's usually just kill people, but she knows me. So this one guy oh. breaks off from the main group because at this point they're basically doing a fellowship of the ring. Just a bunch of random people get together and start heading towards to like find the secret of where to find the Black Temple or whatever it's called. This one guy decides to go off on his yeah. own, has a little side story, goes to this giant cave full of spider webs, and there's a madam mm-hmm. of the web, but he knows her real name, so... You know, that's going to protect him and, like, he'll have a conversation. But there's also a giant stop-motion albino spider in this thing. And Uh all of this is, like, it felt like 20 minutes of just in the cave with the spider talking to this woman who alternates between old and ugly to young and beautiful because the man still sees her as her young and pretty self, even though I think she was responsible for the death of his son. I think that's what happens. <laughs> that is legit what happens. So and the other thing <laughs> that you're forgetting is that this guy was like, because the other guy's like, she's never going to help. She just murders people or whatever. And he's like, I'll be fine. I know her real name. It's a ancient enchanted name. And her name, her name, John, is Lissa. <laughs> and I was oh just yeah, like, and she says, "Yes, my name like, is like the princess's name." Yes, what a it's coincidence! Like the princess's name, and all I could think of is that joke in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, <laughs> where they ask the enchanter what his name is, and he's like Bob. <laughs> it was Tim, Tim the Enchanter. Tim, that's what it is. Tim. There are those who call me Tim. Tim. <laughs> And it was supposed to be an elaborate name, but it's just the actor went, Tim. I, yeah, I don't remember if <laughs> he forgot brilliant. the line or if he just tried to be flipping, then they, they worked like for the comedy I of think it. he forgot it, I <laughs> thought, and they kept it because <laughs> it was a really complicated name. So he just went Tim in it. It's, oh, I love that movie. I need to watch it again. I want to watch that as a palate Bob. cleanser because this movie was just like, <laughs> I it, I don't know. Like I I I 
can't reconcile my feelings towards this movie because I'm sure we're going to get to it eventually, but I'm just going to like say it now before I forget because I really don't just put this movie past me already. Say it. This movie, I don't believe is a gem. I, <gasps> I believe this movie is like one of those radium dishes that you can get around the turn of the century. Radium dishes. Yes, like that the, that silverware, like those uh, like china sets that you can get that were made with uh, uranium and actually glow in the dark. Slowly killing you, you mean? <laughs> Basically, it's pretty from afar, but you don't want to get near it. <laughs> this is like a curio that you need to keep behind glass and don't show it to anybody. Just kind of like acknowledge that it's there, admire it for what it is. <laughs> But leave it the hell alone. Don't touch it. Don't go near it. That's just what this movie is. It's it's uranium silverware or flatware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely adore that metaphor, and that is perfect. I definitely agree. This is not a gem. Um, I do want to go back to that widow, whatever, spider lady. The widow Lissa. of the web. The Widow of the Web, there we go. Um, that whole part confused the crap out of me. So, but it is, well, it's not the only other female role. You have like, what, four female roles in this movie. And it's Lissa, Madam Web, and the two ladies that show up at the camp one night, and I had no idea why they were there. Um, yeah, <laughs> and then one of them is working for the bad guy, and the bad guy kills her remotely. Yeah, and mm, I got the impression they were there to kind of tempt the the guys because they were all men. So they're like, "Hey, we're gonna use our feminine wiles to like dissuade you from your quest or something." Yeah, well, that's what it was. Well, I guess, but I just all the women are used as plot devices, basically, (laughs) every single one, and they give Madame Web, which could have been a very interesting character, and kind of cool and i think may have possibly been to represent if lissa did turn evil in the end or princess lissa did turn evil in the run that's who she would become i guess maybe but like just the story that she tells where they break up but she's pregnant and she kills her own child out of anger for i don't even know his name for leaving her and i was just like what the hell did she just confess to and then she mentions that she's like this is her punishment so i thought she was in control of everything but you later on learn no she just turns over the sand for the spider and and then the spider kills her after she gives that guy a way out and it, it was just so not thought of well and depressing there's a lot of like depressing. What was it's the not point? depressing in the sense <laughs> yeah it's like it's what's the point and then like i don't know it's it's the early 80s i don't expect wonderful fe- female roles in these movies written by men and directed by men hey, but at the same time a, i am very disappointed in this movie there were some good female roles in lady hawk and dragon slayer and they were <sighs> much more fantasy than these that this was yeah that and that may be my biggest issue with this one is i'm like even other fantasy films had better 
female representation. I love Lady Hawk. I need to rewatch Lady Hawk. Um, <laughs> but I just, oh, I, and then just the reason why those girls are in the camp is to, for one of them to seduce Colwyn so that the evil guy can convince Lissa that he's going to abandon her and cheat on her. And Lissa's <laughs> like, oh, no, he's not. We love each other. And, and it's just so stupid. It's like, yeah. and then he, I don't know. And it's when it doesn't work, he just outstretches his hand and in the hologram of the woman in the camp, like she just starts screaming in pain, I guess. Cause she's being murdered, tortured she's, somehow. Yeah. Something's happening. Who knows? Um, I don't know. It's just so stupid. And then the other stupid thing happens to that poor old mage guy. The blind emerald You don't even dude. see him get killed. Like, you have the... What was it? Okay, so that whole section. Because then this reminded me of a much better um, quicksand movie section, which was in The NeverEnding Story with Artax and Etriu. We don't um, talk about that section. <laughs> too soon. <laughs> Never ending story. Uh, story. Uh-uh. Um, what oh. was it there? Yeah, so we spend way too much time in this bog of sand, uh, quicksand. The the old mage guy is He's just kind of chilling on the, the log. And then I guess like a doppelganger of some sort comes up behind him. I guess kills him, but you don't really see how. You just see that his nails are long and like grabs the back of his neck. So I'm yeah. assuming we're meant to imply that like maybe he's injecting venom into him or something. But then, then we just cut to, okay, so this is obviously the imposter, but nobody else knows this yet. Mm-hmm. And then I guess the imposter was, or the mage was originally supposed to show the way to Colwyn to the place where they were going to find out how to get to the... A lot of this is just getting to a place to find out how to get to another place. That's really annoying. But Well, the blind mage was going with them because the blind mage could see where the castle was. But... Eh, the blind mage could see. Um, but the castle kept moving, so I think Colwyn wanted him to stay because if it moved, then the blind mage would be able to see it. But because the blind mage dies, and then that one guy finds his body in the sand somehow. No, and not just some guy. A cyclops. The cyclops. All right, the cyclops. A cyclops who joins their quest for no real reason that I can tell. Other he than was supposed to, because that's how he was supposed to die, was by joining, because cyclops can see their death. Oh, because they have that Apparently. One eye. Because they have one eye, the all-seeing eyes, so they can see their death, and if... They had this weird, well, kind of interesting concept where if he decided to try to not die, then he would suffer. But I can't figure out if he did do the death he was supposed to do or if he didn't. Because the most interesting thing I found about this movie is I really wonder if George R. R. Martin loves this movie because the last... Actually, this whole movie had a lot of very surprising death scenes where you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, they're dead. Oh, they're getting stabbed. Like, a lot of, and, and smushed. Oh, yeah. No, the Cyclops the, the, gets smushed. The two dudes mm-hmm. that get impaled, but, like, linger for a very long time during, like, the finale. They're just, like, 
huge spikes are going through their bodies and they're just kind of there like oh this sucks well, <laughs> well i think the spikes hadn't pierced through i think they pierced a little bit that one guy that fell it pierced all the way through which that was the other thing that made no sense there's a lot of magic rules in here that are not explained because when they're in that room one of the guys has a dagger and when he drops the dagger the spikes stop moving and the guy's like don't touch the dagger it's not worth it and he goes and touches the dagger again and then the spikes continue to move and start impaling people and you're just like what's so special about that dagger yeah. like did i miss something this, like why can't he touch the this dagger? movie operates on dream logic so confused I think. I guess. Like it, it, that would have been a really bad nightmare, I guess. Yeah. This is why I was wondering if I was high on pain medication. I was like, is this really how the movie is? Or am I just it's, in a really happy place right now and things are just not making sense? No, it is really how the movie is. Things do not make sense. Because, like, they tell that story about the Cyclops, how he knows how he's going to die. And if he doesn't die that way, then he will suffer. And he leaves them before they get on the fire horses and he's like this is where i must go because i gotta die here i guess i don't know how he was gonna die here and then he comes back later on to go and save them and he ends up getting squished between like the door and the rock i guess trying to hold the door open which was very much hold the door corridor moment for me <laughs> that i didn't need to remember but <laughs> just to where I'm like, George R. R. Martin totally watched this movie, didn't he? But, um, I just... I so bet you now George R. R. Like, Martin salivated at our tax. Yeah, I know. Oh, uh -huh. why? Stop it. Um, <laughs> he... So I'm confused whether or not that was actually how he was supposed to die or if he chose to go save them and then died in such a traumatic way because he chose to go save them. Like, I'm just, I was confused. I don't know. It was a weird add-on. And then, I'll just, all these people just running straight away from people getting shot, and Colwyn controls the glaive with his mind, I guess? But then he can also take Lissa's magic powers and use it to burn down the bad guy. Who's a big giant bug that actually kind of sort of looks almost like the Predator, but not. He looks like just a bug version of the Predator. It's just, it makes zero sense. No sense. No, this movie left a very awkward void after watching it. Because even though I was doing something else to keep myself entertained, because I, I definitely know the movie wasn't doing that for me. Mm -mm. And I was like, was it worth it? <laughs> Did we have to go through all that? It just was such a drag. It was such a drag. Ugh. What else? I know there was something else that drove me nuts in this thing. I can't remember what. It just... I mean, we already talked about the female representation not being great. This was a super high-budget film, too. Yeah. And just, it used the same studios as 007 sound stages, so that's cool. <laughs> I mean, for a James Bond movie, like, that seems accurate. But for something like this, I mean, some of those sets did look like... Um, mm -hmm. 
like pr pretty elaborate like there were some large sets in there they probably so that means they probably filmed at what pine tree studios yep pinewood studios pinewood. Uh, mm -hmm. pine tree pinewood same thing um but you recognize the name in the studio for being huge i'd never heard of pinewood studios before yeah, it's just that's, a big um, studio i yes that's where they filmed um well a lot of movies obviously but i think it burned down since but i remember oh. the reason i know that name is because of batman 1989 and uh, the um batman return sequel all of those uh -huh. were filmed indoors that's why the sets look so huge it looks like you know large chunks of the city because that's, ah. they're basically like giant airplane hangars that they can re uh, reassign as they need for production purposes so that makes sense now i understand why this yeah some of those locations are just like these sprawling multi-level like looking environments huh that's cool i didn't know that um i don't know the special effects were not bad in this film the blue screen when they're riding the horses was pretty bad okay that was pretty bad <laughs> but i feel like for the time it wasn't that bad like, I feel like I'd seen worse in early 80s films. But the, like, costuming work and the... I don't know, I'm trying to find something good in here, John. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> it waste my time. It's, I mean, it, it's definitely a good example of excess and how more can sometimes be less when you don't have a focus and you don't have a good production designer because this thing was just i don't know even who to put the blame on i mean mm -hmm. like the writer was clearly just doing whatever they wanted and the director i'm sure was just trying to make sense of all of that but mm -hmm. at some point somewhere along the way somebody has to be like yo can we dial this back a bit I, I, it feels like nobody said no to anything. There's like, hey, how about we have a scene where this happens? Sure, let's shoot it. Oh, it looks like shit. Oh, well, we'll fix it in post. And you end up having a lot of really bad composite shots, especially towards the end when they start having a lot more laser battles and uh, Colwyn is fighting mm -hmm. with the, the the big bad... I was going to call him the boss, but <laughs> that's basically what it is. This is like a really bad RPG or like video game the, at yeah. some point the boss at the end of the, the the villain isn't even corporeal anymore he just looks like a giant kind of ghostly apparition mm -hmm. and that's it the movie then that just kind of ends and like yeah so basically take dune star wars tron lord of the rings a little bit of star trek some legend some dragon yeah. slayer put it in a blender and then pour some like absinthe over it you get this weird concoction <laughs> oh gosh <sighs> so this movie did not do well in the box office oh, big surprise surprisingly there. it made like maybe half of its original budget <laughs> so it bombed pretty hard it did oddly get a cult following I guess and people like to compare it to Excalibur meets Star Wars Youch to that comparison on both movies. You know, there's a um, there's a movie <laughs> called Your the Hunter from the Future. Your spelled Y O R. Uh-huh. And that does a combination of like caveman, uh dinosaur t 
type action with mm-hmm. some somewhat rip-off Star Wars action. Mm. And I think that's a better movie than this one, even though Ouch. it's very clearly much more low budget. Yeah. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, I guess I... Okay, so, random question. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, how would you make this movie? What What do you think this movie needs to change the most? Right off the bat, I can tell you the music. Yeah, I would agree with that one. Um, it's just, it makes zero sense. Zero sense. Um, I would definitely change the writing for the female characters. More so, though. Because I can deal with crappy music. But... (laughs) Crappy written... That makes no sense. Written female characters. So, like, would they be females with more agency? Or just not make as dumb decisions? Definitely more agency. Like, I don't blame anybody for making dumb decisions. Because... How would you react to if you get kidnapped in a teleporting fortress? It was more, my issue with it was Lissa seemed at the beginning to have a lot of agency and she lost it once she became the damsel. That's what drove me nuts. Like, I definitely, I don't want the whole idea of Lissa becoming an antagonist in the end because I hate that idea of she loses her innocence and therefore she's evil, which is just such a, a gross statement kind of <laughs> thing that women are only their innocence, basically. Their virtue. And. Yeah, their virtue, and that's what it is. Because I mean, she also wears white the entire film. Granted, it's her wedding dress, but even in the beginning, she's wearing white. So I don't know. I just just a little bit more fight back, a little bit of sassiness or something. Or instead, she kind of fights back and argues, but it's more over how much Colwyn will love her and save her, and also I don't know actually using her magic herself. Because they have, oh, oh, that's what it is, that scene <laughs> where she saves the, where she gives Colin her her magic because the, the, the glaive, for whatever reason, is not listening to him anymore. And they both have that realization, like, it's not the glaive, it's us, it's our love. And, <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, A, y'all literally met the day of your wedding. Okay, and, and I got it. <laughs> It's not love, honey. It's he's hot and he fights good. Just stop. It's okay, but just it's not oh, love. They did try to inject some kind of commentary by making that statement early on where she says, oh, well, he, I hear he's a good soldier or a good warrior. Uh-huh. And somebody actually tries telling her, it was like, well, Hurts good soldiers dad. don't necessarily make good husbands or something like that. Yeah, it's her dad that says that. Um, like, wow. <laughs> something kind of progressive in this that's shocking and that's what it is it did almost start kind of progressive where she's like although yes she's getting married to save her kingdom or not even save it to combine her kingdoms like she is choosing it not her father for her she's the one choosing it she seems to have agency but she loses it as soon as she gets kidnapped and she doesn't call and I think that's also what drove me nuts. It's like, okay, I, I get it. You you can fall for someone when you first see him. But when you're getting kidnapped and you just met the guy, you're going to be calling for your father. You're not going to be calling for that dude. And she's just, Colwyn, come save me. And I was like, you don't <laughs> even know him. Like, just... And she doesn't react at all to her dad dying. And clearly they had a fairly good relationship. And just, 
I don't know. And she had, she can make fire from nothing. And she never does anything with it except for give it to a man mm. who is saving her. That's, that's that and symbolism right there. Yes. That's, and that was them working together. <laughs> that was them working together to beat the bad guys. Like, no, how about he, like, you use the flame to, like, get the glaive out. And then he can use your glaive while you're using your flame. God. Stupid. Yeah. Or some kind of subversion where, like, he can't wield it, only she can or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then the widow lady being all mad that she looks all old now, and the guy's like, ah, you should see me how I see you, and then she looks like that pretty model while we're having the whole conversation. (laughs) And you're like, well, she did look very pretty. But I'm just like, (laughs) you killed your son really out of revenge like really uh. it's petty jealousy yeah i don't know i nope, hated yeah. it this this, this was not a so pleasant much. experience rewatching this one um i could see why i would want to push this back into the far recesses of my memory because wow this was even as a young child which it must have been when i seen this this had to have been if i watched this in its entirety, it would have had to have been in the 80s when it was mm-hmm. probably on like constant rotation on television because I'm sure yeah. it was. And yeah. yeah, not a fan. This is uh, not one that I care to revisit. I can see one good thing about this movie. This could be mm-hmm. one of those really fun, so bad it's good when you're watching it with a bunch of people and you're just roasting the hell out of the movie. Yeah, I can see that. I do love doing that. Yes. But- uh, those used to be regular occurrences uh, in the old Asgard Falls or whatever that place was called before the Avengers Tower. Oh, <laughs> Mitch's place. Yes. The previous <laughs> Mitch's like, place. What? It was called Asgard Falls. Something like that. Asgard something or other. Yeah. They had a okay. long driveway. I think they called it the Rainbow Road. I could be misremembering, but <laughs> these things for By some thrust. reason jog a memory. But yes, uh, there were regular... Uh, B-movie nights where people would just get together, hang out, have fun, have food, play games, and watch bad movies, and it was a grand old time. That was like over a decade ago at this point, I think. That feels like forever. That'd be fun. We we should we should bring that back. We'll do it as an overtime for something, either Geeks Watch or something. That would be fun. Because I absolutely adore watching r- really bad movies and roasting them, because it's my favorite thing, is to I am. I have definitely turned into one of those people that talk during movies. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's gotten worse during COVID, in which I'm not in movie theaters, so it drives my parents nuts. No, but I, I'm like, I do that in the theater. People hate me. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I'm not that bad. At least the worst it ever got. Which really crazy tangent, but because everybody was crapping on it so much, even though I didn't want to go see it, um, I did go see Batman versus Superman by myself. But oh. some lady chose to sit really close to me, and I was, like, dying to not talk under my breath. Like, I was just, I, I was, I almost died in that seat. You wanted to just start talking just... to random strangers about the movie? Like, yo, can you believe this? I literally did. I almost wanted to turn around and be like, do you see this shit? Like, what, Martha? <laughs> that wasn't even the worst part, though, but it was still Honestly, bad. Honestly, that would have made it worth it. I, for for a short period of time, this didn't last very long, but I started mm-hmm. doing drunk movies. Mm. I went to 
what was the the latest Predator movie, which was really bad, and I think yeah. also Batman versus Superman or Justice League, one of those two. It must have been Justice okay. League, actually. Um, yeah, I went to those like shit face drunk, and <laughs> I remember them being really fun. Still bad movies, don't get me wrong, but I enjoyed uh-huh. myself. Okay, alright. I definitely roasted the hell out of the Predator movie because I'm like, what in the hell is going on mm. here? Like, this is ridiculous. And the Batman one, or the, the Justice League, I mean, I think you have to be drunk to kind of appreciate it because it's such a hodgepodge. <sighs> Which is essentially what Kroll is. This is just a hodgepodge of like every sci-fi and science fiction trope and fantasy trope Mm-hmm. which doesn't go well together. Which leads me to no. my next question. Mm-hmm. If you were going to make a cocktail <laughs> named Kroll, what would this be? It wouldn't be drinkable. That's, <laughs> that's what it is. I thought about Didn't that. did you already make a cocktail? <laughs> just absence. It would just be, let's see, bottom shelf plastic bottle vodka with Mm, let's see. Pickle juice. Whoa. <laughs> Was not expecting <laughs> Which that. Which I okay. like pickle juice, but because it's see, super uh, vinegary. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go in, in a similar direction, but continue. And. Hmm. <sighs> Ginger beer. Because it okay. makes absolutely no sense. I respect Ginger beer, that. vodka, and pickle juice. <laughs> so, along the same lines, mm-hmm. yes, my version of the Kroll. So, these are all separate ingredients that I really, really like. Uh-huh. But when put together, I feel will give you that same level of disorientation and, like, disgustedness. Um, I would start first with fruit punch. That's one of my favorite flavors for mixed drinks okay okay and then i would combine it with camarena tequila because i just like the name i wonder why (laughs) (laughs) followed by smirnoff spicy tamarind infused vodka Ooh, ooh. okay and top it off with kraken spiced rum That's a good one. And this is a full glass, mind you. This is not a shot. (laughs) It's not a shot. No. So this is basically all these different things that separately I love and combined in certain portions I also love, but all mixed together. It's just a good way to get fucked up. Yeah. I feel like to mine, we should also add bitters somewhere because. Yeah, because you can't enjoy it. It feel very bitter. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you can't make it too good. You have to throw something in there to offset it. I was thinking of doing something really disgusting, like Bailey's with like the twist of lime, just to Ooh. like give it that extra little curdle to it. But I was like, no, I still want to make it palatable, just overwhelming to the senses because it's just got too many good things in it. And that's the problem with Kroll. There's good things in it. There's just too many of them in the wrong proportions. Yeah, okay, I guess. Oh, I should have added... Uh, 
I guess I guess the vodka shouldn't be plastic vodka. It should be the most expensive vodkas with incredibly cheap ingredients. <laughs> let me let me add one more ingredient to this to really seal the deal on this drink. Uh-huh. I'm scared. Finish it off with some Southern Comfort. <gasps> you hate that. Oh. That, just, yes, like, because I was looking at it. I was like, you know what? I could still enjoy that drink as messed up as it is. No. You got to throw in that last thing to just really screw it up. Oh, gosh. Wow. That just gave me, like, flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> We'll have to oh, tell that story someday on one of the podcasts. Like, you just described like a grog or a like a college punch, basically. Uh, it's like, like some kind of jungle juice. Punch. Yeah, jungle juice is what it reminds me of. Grog is the military version of that that you do at the ball. Only it, with grog, they typically put in really nasty stuff like like certain people are selected to put in ingredients and you know, you should always have a reason for the ingredient that you put in. And for example, one I had seen on YouTube when my dad was talking about this, cause he was talking about his military ball times. Um, someone, a troop from Afghanistan put in sand from a boot because that is, that's, you know, working out in the sandbox and you can put in like the super cheap rum or you can put in like your dirty socks and stuff like that. And the whole point of the grog is if you make a mistake, a mannerly mistake or an etiquette mistake, then you have to go take a shot of that grog. But the grog must be um, approved by the highest ranking member in the room too. I don't know if it's changed. This is just how my dad described it. But um, but basically there is somebody picked to approve of the grog. So they have to drink it first to see if they approve it. And apparently my dad has had to approve grog before. And wow. <laughs> I'm sure the stories he can tell about military times. Yeah, I, th- I, think he, I think he said somebody had added kimchi because they had been to Korea. So I was like, what? Is that like just spicy stuff? Like- Kimchi is the um, fermented cabbage. So oh, it, it is okay. spicy, but it's, I mean, it doesn't have to be spicy, I don't think, but it's the fermented cabbage that generally goes on the side of Korean I mean, that sounds kind of like gross, a- but not like super disgusting. Like, I'm sure that there's been some pretty heinous things put in those grogs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, yeah. It's, yeah. So there you go. There's, but. Oh. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah, I don't know if any any members of the military currently have any grog stories, or if they still do grog. I have no idea, but that was back in the '90s when my dad was approving grog. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> I think I would rather try a grog. Then watch this movie again. <laughs> you know, I, I'm right there with you, actually. I was like, boot sand, give it here. Come on. Give it here. Come on. We got it. I'm It'll not, sink not down Anakin. to the bottom anyway. I don't hate sand. Yeah. Um, I don't think I have anything to add about this movie. It's just, 
it's it's a lump of coal. Yeah, I, I'm ready to move on with my life. It is not a gemstone. Oh, yeah. That's called depression glass, by the way. That uranium-infused glass that was made around the turn of the century. Um, oh, okay. Which glows in the dark really cool. And especially, oh, Vaseline glass is another popular term for it. Um, it looks pretty crazy because you're like, oh, cool. This, like, dinnerware is glowing in the dark. That's uh-huh. because it's uh, emitting, like, high-level isotopes that, you know, are not good for you. But yeah, well, people they, they didn't used really to know. Put the radium paint in on watches to make them go in the dark, and the women that did that all got really sick because it was before we understood that radium was bad for you. Actually, yeah. no, we understood that radium was bad for you, but they just didn't care because <laughs> OSHA wasn't the thing. And yes, you know. that's exactly. I I believe we mentioned in other podcasts and stuff that things don't change until enough people die. So. Well, until it affects the bottom dollar, yeah. If yeah. it didn't affect the company's like production or anything like that, we'd still be seeing it. That's why there's still a lot of interesting workplace situations. But this is not the podcast for that conversation. No, it's not. <laughs> we'll definitely touch up on those types of things later on. Um, no, I have nothing more to say about this movie. This was um, as close to a miserable experience as I've had doing any of these things. Just because mm-hmm. it was just such a baffling, head-scratching movie. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Ugh. Asgard Acres, that's what it was called. Asgard Acres. Yeah. Because it was out in the middle of nowhere, like the county somewhere. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. I don't even remember um, how to get there. It's like before Google Maps. I don't even know how we used to find it. <laughs> Google Maps don't even like our counties, so it wouldn't be able to find it today anyway. (laughs) Yeah, you'll run into like a bog of like quicksand out there. Yeah. If only it had rodents of unusual sizes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) R-O-E-S-S. I I don't think Uh they exist. (laughs) (sighs) See, this is what we need to do to recover. We need to quote better movies to remind us of the good times. (laughs) Yeah, um, I ended up today, after watching this the night before, I I watched Luca, finally, so I did already watch a good movie. Mm. Oh yeah, Tenet's (laughs) on HBO Max, I need to watch that one. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Yeah, Luca's the new Pixar movie out on Disney Plus, for free. Is that the Little Mermaid kid? No, I mean, he's a sea monster, but... Oh, sea monster, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Not the Little Mermaid, but no, very cute. Highly recommend. Do not recommend Crawl. I still um, need to go watch Soul. Ooh, be careful. I <laughs> <laughs> should I have a? May give you an existential crisis like Loki oh, does. Dude, I have those every day. I was like, oh wow, nihilism. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> All right, John. Um, if people want to ask you about why you dislike no no (laughs) why you dislike southern comfort so much (laughs) where can they get at you well you can at me or you can at super commie daniel because Mm -hmm. he was partially responsible for that story Uh, but you can reach me on twitter at magic bollocks and if you'd like to talk to me about female representation in 80s fantasy uh you can tweet me as at 
J.M. Bailey writes. Uh, you can find archives of this podcast and other podcasts that we are in, such as Geeks Watch, out over on geekelitemedia.com. You can also find Geek Elite Media as at Geek Elite Media on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media. Um, we do also have a Patreon page, so if you got a couple extra things, bucks floating around, um, please find us on Patreon as patreon.com forward slash Geek Elite Media. Um, any little bit helps. Uh, and... If anything, wherever you are listening to this podcast, if you could like, rate, review, subscribe to it, that is also a huge help as well. Thank you so much for listening, and always remember to geek Geek out. out. This concludes our broadcast.